Hello and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 21, which is titled Take These Broken Wings. The episode aired on May 9th, 1996. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Well, first off, I just have to say I just had an epiphany about the episode title. Duh. Blackbird lyrics, yeah. Yeah, duh. Ugh, I, I shouldn't be on this show. Um, <laughs> second off, let's get into the news. Uh, Martin Lawrence is arrested after running out into the middle of a busy street in Los Angeles, waving a gun around and shouting obscenities. His agent cited exhaustion and dehydration as the cause of the event. CSI Miami actor David Caruso weds flight attendant Margaret Buckley. We assume they had their first dance to a song by The Who. <laughs> the Craft debuts and takes number one spot at the box office. Did either of you ever see that movie? No. I have no, no. idea what it is. Okay, you It's bo- Witchcraft with Nev Campbell and some other... Ah. Plan- you, some other... Oh, you know their face, but you would know, have no idea of their name. The actors. We're, it was a very heading, important coming-of-age movie heading for into a lot late of 90s people. trash. Yep, oh, yeah. that's my trash, thank you very much. Um, and Mariah Carey strikes back as her song Always Be My Baby claims the number one spot on the music charts. Oh no. We spoke too soon, gang. She's hey, back. Canada saved us for a little while. <sighs> this week we've got 32 million viewers tuning in. This week's episode is directed by our own Dr. Green, Anthony Edwards, which oh. I think marks our first time that we have a cast member directing an episode um, this is something that would happen time i would say semi-frequently as we got later into the run of the show like i know laura innes uh, does this a, a few times i want to say eric lasalle did one or two um i think so paul mccrane romano i know he did a couple so this is he did yeah a few so this will be something that we'll see um kind of a little bit more frequently as we go along but this is the first one anthony edwards and this week's episode is written by lydia woodward who we have had this season in the right thing days like this and summer run um fun fact eric lasalle has also directed at least one episode of the librarians with noah wiley he that's pretty much all he does like i don't know that he even really acts very often anymore i think he pretty much strictly directs and produces the last thing he was in i looked on his imdb recently just for funsies the last thing he was in was logan in 2017 wow i always forget he's in that yeah Yeah, me too where he got viciously murdered that movie's so good we need to rewatch it when it's not so sad in real life so then the episode let's actually get talking about the episode today guys it opens with susan talking about little susie it's very melodramatic we can't tell who she's talking to it almost is like a confessional vibe with some of the music behind her and we see her like as she's talking about little susie and what it was like having little susie we kind of get flashes as during her voiceover of her like smoking in bed and just sitting in the shower with the water running over her. And after that, it flashes to her returning a sweater to a woman at a Catholic church where a choir is rehearsing. And the priest is like, oh, you know, she'd step out of a shoe if it got somebody in here. And um, yeah, that priest just gave me really weird vibes. Specifically like, Weird Al vibes, like 80s Weird huh, Al. Huh, huh. Yeah, I can see it. But yeah, so it kind of, we never see who she's talking to during this episode. And here, this is where I was almost convinced that the scenes we'll see throughout this episode of her talking by herself as a confessional. I could see it. But I I have my, I have different, differing opinions on those scenes as far as what they represent and what they're, Mm -hmm. what actually is happening in those scenes. But we can get into that as we go along. 
Yeah. Because this is going to be a through line is her talking essentially by herself in a room. We never see who she's conversing to during these, um, during these little flashes. And then we are in with the Susan Twinkles this episode. <laughs> I think this is the it only, fourth time it, total. We've yeah, had and these. it only ever seems to be cold opens with Susan that we end up with Twinkles. I'm telling you. After she's gone, it's going to be a thing. Like, I'm going to, they're always going to be the Susan Twinkles. That's fine. And, uh, and then we uh, come out of the credits. We have our first audio for you. Uh, Mark is reviewing the board, the state of the board with Carrie. Turn off the chest pain to cardiology, the chronic puker to medicine. I love these things. My daughter, she left them after her last visit. Bipolar to psych and say goodbye to Mr. Barry. I wonder if I'll do an incompetent poser. That was only before his horrifying rectal revealed an even more horrifying case of hemorrhoids sent him to the surgery clinic. Carter's with that otitis media. Ross isn't on yet. Lewis is late. Well, no, she worked an extra four hours last night. She's not due for another hour. You just want her to be late. Don't be ridiculous. A propensity for tardiness makes her a problematic candidate for chief resident. Mark, I can't believe that you think I'd keep tabs on anyone. Mm. You're late, Jerry. Time out. What do you say? Oh, come on. Al and I are engaged. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. Congratulations. And the rest of the good news is paramedics are on their way in. Some failure to fly suicide attempt GCS3. If he's gorked, why are they bringing him here? Landed in the lake, which is still a little chilly. Got to warm him up before they can pronounce him. Well, it can't be cold and dead. Our favorite thirst trap's getting married. Yay! <laughs> So I just have to say, it's real insensitive how they talk about that incoming patient. Like, he's gorked. Why'd you have to bring him in anyway? You still have to make an attempt. Is there a particular connotation to the word gorked that bothers you with that? Or is it just kind of the net, the general insensitivity with which they seem to be addressing it? I think there's something, and I, I don't know if there's a history of the word gorked or anything. I feel like we heard it once in season one. But there's mm -hmm. just something about that word specifically that bothers me. I'm not, yeah. I don't hear it used too often. I see, and I do because I'm married to an ER nurse. So I hear, fair. I hear that word in respect to certain types of patient, like, you know, usually with re relation to like, you know, patients who are on drugs or, you know, have right. had, had some sort of, you know, mind altering substance added to the equation. So yeah, it's just one of those things that like, I hear that term a lot, but I don't really know what it means and if, whether or not it is actually like insensitive or offensive to any one part of the population i don't know so also can we point out too that the uh those things that green is attaching to the thing that rachel left behind they give me so much anxiety because as soon as he puts them on there they immediately start falling off <laughs> and like as he's Ugh. as he's talking to to carrie like after he's turned his back to the board like one or two of them at least fall to the floor behind him and i was just like dude like what was the point of putting those up there if they were just gonna fall like that's uh. I think they're supposed to be little wall crawlers where they No, they are. Like, yeah. But it's like, why are you putting them on there in the first place? Like, you're just making, you're just giving me something to obsess about. Like, ugh. But it's a cute scene. It's good to see them working together. I love how she's like, I don't keep tabs on anybody. Jerry, you're late. <laughs> Poor Jerry. He's just like, what? And then Lydia interrupts and it's so cute. So we go from there out to uh, Doug and Karen are jogging along the river walk. Uh, they're talking about her relationship with Ray, which still, this is just all sorts of weird the connotations involved with this but they're talking about her relationship with ray he's complaining the whole time basically this was her idea and she's like oh i'll have to reward you for it later and as soon as she says that he grabs her and right as he does that she like 
comes up limp on one knee so they have to fall to the ground and then he has to like stretch her knee out and stuff it's just a you know cutesy little scene we're gonna see we're gonna see a decent amount of these two this episode this is probably the the heaviest we're gonna get into their their little thing so doug might have torn her acl but in a sexy way (laughs) but i just had i have to tell you all i just had a brain fart where i was like ray and i was thinking shane west Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that would be something. It's like, what the fuck? Relationship with Ray? He's like 12 in this episode. I was going to say, Doug's yeah. Dad. Just, just had a moment. Then we move into our first charm of the episode. Uh, it's just a quick one. Uh, it's the person that was frozen in the lake. They're not really doing anything. They're just like, oh, we'll poke him. We'll poke him with that. We'll warm him up. Basically, they're just trying to warm him up. Like, they're not actually trying to, like, bring him back to life or anything like that. Is it him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a guy. But the whole time, Carrie and Mark are just talking about the chief resident, but, like, in code. Like, air quotes, code. Hale knows exactly what the fuck they're talking about because, you know, she has a brain. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, they're just basically, like, debating back and forth on whether Dr. Lewis can become chief resident. And and they're also talking about about, about Weaver potentially becoming an attending as well. So, which will play into the next episode or so a couple episodes here and then after the after they're done with the actual like trauma portion Hale and Lydia are talking over the de- the dead body about Lydia's ring yeah can I can I say my favorite Hale line from this trauma though yeah she calls them out on it too she goes Dr. Green whenever you're done talking in code about Dr. Lewis becoming chief <laughs> resident and Dr. Weaver becoming an attending can we call this she's like we all know exactly what you're talking about let's get this done like I said they have a brain yeah Hale's amazing and yeah, I love her. F- I love her fussing over Lydia's ring, over this dead guy's body. From there, we have Susan. She stops up at the daycare, and everyone is gone on a field trip except for one. Um, one last. Oh my god, I can't think of the word. Like, kind of teacher's aide, for lack of a better term. And um, the daycare worker. Her name is Emily Kuroda, and she is better known as Mrs. Kim in Gilmore Girls. Hey, good So that touch. was a voice I would recognize anywhere. It's just like, I've watched so much Gilmore Girls lately. That's Miss Kim. And it's so weird to see her playing such a friendly and approachable character. <laughs> but she just leaves Susan alone in the daycare room because she's like, oh, they're holding the bus for me. I have to go. So she just leaves Susan up there, and Susan just, like walks around the room and she looks at all the kids paintings and as this is happening we hear this creepy background noise of like children singing and laughing kind of it's almost like the intro to the freddy krueger music where you just get the kids like doing nursery rhyme stuff but she sees a uh, painting that little Susie did and she just kind of stares at it wistfully and sad and that's where we leave this scene just susan missing baby Susie. yeah and they kind of they kind of i think do a fade crossfade into another one of her confessional slash therapy sessions where she's talking about talking about little Susie's birth she's wearing some very 90s overalls while she's doing this we can see there's a church out the window still don't get any insight into who she's talking to though um but it's it's very sweet like it's it's her retelling the story of little Susie's birth and it's very true to I mean, almost line for line with some of them. It's very, it's very like retelling of the actual scenes that we got to see. But like I said, we, we're going to come back to a lot of these throughout the course of the episode. Um, we cut back to the ER where we see Jerry at the desk. It's just good to have Jerry back. It's always nice to see Jerry. Uh, and then we see Loretta being brought in by ambulance uh, with her kids, little Susie No Name and uh, Anakin Skywalker. I can't remember the other kids' names, so I'm just giving her 
a nickname. Jake Lloyd. No, I know, I know Jake Lloyd, the daughter. I have no, I have no idea what her even her character's name is supposed to be. She's so unimportant. But, (laughs) but little Anakin Skywalker and his sister get brought in with Loretta uh, on the ambulance. They were both born of the midi chlorians. Um, <laughs> I will slap you in the face with this cooling towel, Missy. <laughs> but then after that, Susan and Carol are talking in the drug closet about little Susie, and Susan just sort of blows off Carol's offer to talk, and Carol's just trying her best to be supportive, but kind of gets rebuffed for her efforts. Um, and then after that, we have our next audio, uh, again, featuring, well, not again featuring Carol, but this time featuring Carol and uh, Riley of uh dinkles fame that (laughs) uh they're talking about shep and the uh the upcoming or upcoming for carol but already uh done inquiry into the whole incident with the asian folks i'm with pikmin i know shep's off today yeah, well, I'd be with Pickman even if he wasn't. He shouldn't have filed that complaint with the IAD. He shouldn't have slammed that kid. It's not what happened. Yeah, sure, whatever. You were there, right? You think he was just doing his job? Yes, I do. Well, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe the job doesn't have to be done that way. And who died and made you the voice of experience? Raul, that's who. Look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. You know, Shep's been working at this job for almost eight years. So if you ever want to step off that high moral ground you're sitting on, you just might learn something from it. Yeah, I already have. Then that's what you should be telling the IAD investigator. I already have. Several things. Uh, One, good clap back there, Riley. Like, that was a very excellent retort in the moment. That's one of those ones that you would think of, like, two days later in the shower. Second, um, (laughs) very disappointed in Carol. Like, yeah, she sucks here. She really sucks. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Good for Riley for taking taking the high road though, and actually being like, "No, fuck you!" Like, this yeah. is not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Ri- Riley. Like, I know in the beginning we're like, "Oh, he's such a baby face. Like, he just doesn't know what he's doing," and we're meant to see him that way. But he has grown a lot, even in the past like five or six episodes, just in how they present him. Yeah, they actually. Like, it no. seems like they they dump that very quickly. Like the whole certain yeah. certainly the way he's brought in like his thing when he's brought in is that he's the fresh face kid who introduces himself to everyone that gets that gets uh tossed out right away but then um the sort of baby face nature of him like i think raul dying really sort of uh raul dying and him the the fallout from that where he gets treated like absolute shit by shep that sort of causes him to grow up really fast I think that's definitely a good way to explain how they changed his character. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there's definitely story plots that would explain why he is the way he is now. But from there, we go to Mark is examining Loretta, and she says that she's been bloated and vomiting. And Mark's like, all right, we're going to get you looked at. We're going to get you taken care of. And it's very sweet. I think here is where she says, she's like, could I just be dehydrated again? And he's like, you know, we'll get you some fluids just in case, but we're going to take some other tests. So... He's just so sweet with her, and I love their friendship a lot. And then we have Shep and Carol talking about the investigation, and Shep's talking about the investigator, and he's like, oh, he was a real son of a bitch. And Shep's just following Carol around, and he's like, oh, you know, I don't have anything to do today. It's my day off. And she's essentially just like, dude, you're driving me nuts. Go golf or garden, but get out. Like, she just, the last thing she wants is she has to go do this investigation interview shortly is to have him hovering around her all day like a puppy. Like, dude, I know you're nervous, but go be nervous somewhere else. I don't need your shit. I also read it, too, as 
like with each successive interaction she has with him this episode her attitude towards him gets a little bit she drifts away from him a little bit more with each one like because i think like she's inter- yeah she's internalizing what riley just said to her and it's now causing a ripple effect into her kind of interactions with him and so i, I just think i think there's a lot of stuff like that in this episode kind of very subtle kind of gradient of relationship erosion and after that we get our first little bit of uh carter this episode still doing his little internship rotation thing about what's it to be able to graduate on time with uh with doug uh they're treating a uh young lady she comes in with uh fever and jaundice she's brought she's a play she's a basketball player Mm -hmm. and uh, her coach brings her in so and they have a basketball tournament on saturday and you know she's asking if she can play and they're trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with her and is this when the coach leaves no he leaves a little bit later i don't know if we get that in the notes though but um a little bit later on in the episode in case i didn't get it in our notes at some point the guy's like hey i have like 12 other kids at a motel that i have to keep an eye on who knows what trouble they're getting up to is she gonna be okay here this this is just about when he leaves is somewhere between now and the next time we see tc yeah that's her that's her name too tc and she's a little brat <laughs> well, i mean like she's got some shit going on you know she's yeah she's yeah. she's age appropriately bratty for a 10 year old who's in the hospital when she wants to be with her friends for the basketball tournament but she's a little brat i guess Remember, I, I mock all children on this show. It's like my other, <laughs> other, other, other job on here. It's, it's Panatic takes and making fun of children, you know, really, really aiming really, high. Really mm, setting the bar high on saying this. It's really, it's really the shine I bring to this show. It's why you keep me on. <laughs> so we go from there back out to the hallway. We see Mark following Iris in, um, who is having an absolute sneezing fit we can hear her she's going on a tirade about how much she hates cats but she was at a cat show filming it so turns out she's allergic uh she says that she's never been allergic to them before green explains that well that doesn't necessarily mean you can't start being allergic to them later um you get it changes as you get older so this is our last uh episode with iris so which is kind of sucks um because i'm just starting to really like her and i was hoping that that would be somebody we could have stick around but no such luck by joanna gleason and as they're walking by um loretta's kids are uh or as they're getting settled um like uh, iris puts all of her stuff down uh, including her bag with her really expensive uh, movie camera in it and loretta's kids are rolling past in a wheelchair and they like do a double take like they roll past the bag and then they back up and see the camera and little Anakin Skywalker just reaches in grabs the camera and they roll away so that's going to be a fun little fun little b plot as we go along we get our next trauma a woman comes in with a six-month-old cyanotic baby baby's name is Grace uh the mom the mom's name is uh Judas Ramsey uh little Grace uh had a seizure and just got over the flu uh Susan initially is running the trauma and, you know, doing her best. And then when it comes time to do an intubation, Carrie takes over the trauma from Susan and basically just muscles Susan out of the trauma room and has Susan take the mom to the waiting room instead because Susan's a little flustered. Mm-hmm. And I think Carrie's just like trying to pounce on any little moment of weakness that Susan has. It's like, oh, no, you can't do this job. Meh. I think actually in this episode, and this is something Susan will bring up later, I think this is actually Carrie being very astute of the sort of things that are going on in Susan's personal life 
and trying to kind of save her from herself and keep her from having some really tough situations. She didn't even give Susan a chance, though. I'm just saying, like, I think that's what she she is intended. Yeah, she to thinks do. that. I'm not she thinks if she's it's right or wrong. But based on a conversation they have a little bit later, I really think she thinks she's helping. She's doing it in the entirely wrong way, though. Well, I didn't say she was. <laughs> that's very on brand for Carrie this season. Yeah, and then we have Loretta's Loretta's kids taking the camera like little spies, and they hide behind a cart, filming Iris just sneezing over and over again. Itch you. Yeah, so this is just a this is a weird little mini thing with the two of them, but it's very cute. Uh, and then another quick beat: Ross uh, tells Carter to keep a keep a close eye on TC, the basketball girl, since she's now there alone. Yep. So her coach has left her, so he can go supervise twelve other children. Then the kids go and film Lydia and Al making out in a closet. Ew. And it's so funny because from one side we can see their silhouettes clearly through like the glass pane of the door. And then um, they're filming them from another like end of the um, supply closet or something. It's like a little supply hallway almost. And um, as they're filming it, Carter squats down behind them and just yells in their ears, what are you kids doing in the hall? (laughs) And they just scatter and Carter has this great maniacal laugh as he's, like, standing back up, and Al and Lydia jump apart, like, oh my god, people saw us, oh no. But then the kids run and hide, going into the green trauma room, and they're taping Susan as she's working. And Susan does a really cute little, like, just a little smile at the kids in the camera as she's doing whatever she's doing. And then from there, it jumps back to Susan in a different outfit, talking to her mystery person about Chloe's crazy personality and how, you know, she always went for the best and she was a full, a full grown adult at nine and a terrible adult by 19. And Chloe went for the good stuff and I went to be the good girl. So just lots of insight to kind of their family dynamic. And she also mentions like, oh, you know, Chloe always called mom cookie and I always called her mom and I don't know why that is. So just some really interesting family history coming out then from there uh we go into our next audio clip uh we have doug and karen talking in a van down by the river okay maybe not in the van but boy when you buy somebody lunch you go all out how's your knee you know it's still bothering you i can get you something for that i heard from ray oh yeah well not from him actually about him how's the good life in the caymans never went there He's in Mexico. Kind of sends a message, doesn't it? Like what, like he's not coming back? Well, what's it look like to you? <sighs> well, I'm used to him disappearing. He doesn't tend to mention it in advance. Yeah, I guess not, considering he took my money with him. Well, thanks for all the sympathy. No, uh, no I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm disappointed. Well, don't be. It wasn't your money. Well, I mean, he bolted on me year after year, but I just would think with you in the picture. I mean, the picture. What's that got to do with it? I would think that he would want to see you. Back and see me. Come back and see us? Is that what you mean? You don't even know about us, Karen. Well, maybe it's your idea of fun to watch him find out. Is that what this is about, Doug? What we're about? You finally getting back at Daddy, stealing his girlfriend? You know what? That's ridiculous. Is it? For three weeks you've been telling me how you can't stand the guy. I could care less if you ever see him again, and now you're disappointed he's not coming back? That is ridiculous. Oof. 
This is so deeply fucked up. <laughs> this little. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm glad she calls him out on it. Yeah. I mean, which I don't like. Does that make it better? Like, because it, it's like you're aware of how fucked up this is too. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but he's George Clooney. I, it's true. It's very true. So then we go from there to back to uh, check in with TC. She's talking with Carter about basketball. Uh, they're actually kind of talking a little bit about like like current events with basketball. Like they're talking specifically about the Magic and the Bulls playing in the playoffs, which I believe is what was happening that year. I think that was Jordan's first full like he had been he came back at the tail end of the previous season and they got beat by the Magic in the playoffs, and then this was the year that he was, like, fully back for the whole season, and they just, like, steamrolled uh, the Magic, I think, in the playoffs. Which I think we talked about that on the... Um, or no, that was the Heat. Oh, we said that was the Heat that they That was the Heat, yeah. yeah. But I do think they played the Magic that year, too, and they, they beat them. But anyway, so Benton's in the room, too. He kind of chimes in uh, as they're... They're all just sort of talking about basketball. It's just a very cute moment for, for everybody in here. It's It's a nice like a little bit of a growth moment for Peter uh, in that we see he's a little bit less robotic and a little bit more human with his patients. So that's a nice thing to see. Carter and Benton are talking outside the room. Uh, They decide to move her liver transplant status up to status two. So basically she's, she was on the list previously, but was not like a high priority. So they're moving her up the priority chain uh, but she has to stay hospitalized until they can find her one so we will see a little bit more at tc a little bit later on in the episode but just good character work for everyone involved here and after that oh boy oh no oh dear oh my oh golly uh gee willikers al boulet genies separated they're they're still separated they're not like officially divorced yet i believe so he he says separated it uh, to somebody i think to, to weaver Mr. Boulet uh, shows up. No Lenten, just Boulet. I was about to say, it drives me nuts now because I look at Boulet and I'm like, no, it should be Boulenton, but that's not actually a character. It is Boulet. It's been ruined forever. I have tainted this. Al, not cop Al, shows up and says uh, he has some kind of flu or something. Hmm. 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 We'll come back to this a little later. Say, I'm sure this won't develop into anything long term. No. So we go from there. Uh, Iris has got her camera back. Hooray! As uh, her and Mark are standing there talking, we get a very strange little scene. We get this little girl. This uh, I should preface by saying this adorable little girl. Like she can't be more than like four years old. She just kind of apparates in the doorway, and uh, it's a little girl named Lily. Uh, and she has a hermit crab stuck to her hand. It's a very strange little little moment here. Uh, little Lily is played by an actress named Kyla Pratt, who you may recognize as Eddie Murphy's daughter in both of the Doctor Doolittle movies from like late '90s, early 2000s time frame. If you were kind um, of around our, scene. she was also in the Proud Family. I just have to say, like. That's a very important Disney Well, channel. you wouldn't recognize her face from that, but you might recognize her voice. You're right. No, but just saying. True. It's important. It is. Uh, so just as Mark is kind of assessing the situation, Iris jumps in um, and dunks Lily's hand in water, and the little crab that is stuck to her hand lets go right away instead of Mark's suggestion of just cutting the damn thing off, which horrifies little Lily because it would kill him. So, and this is actually right here. This is our last little bit of Iris. We don't see Iris again after this. We don't really get much resolution between her and Mark as far as where their relationship stands. So I 
when we get to the the season recap episode uh, here in a few weeks, like, do we think she qualifies as a Bob at this point? Like, is she a recurring enough character to register as a Bob? Because we really don't get any explanation on her her leaving here. She just kind of goes away. I mean, I would almost say so since she and Mark are clearly like involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say I'd say we can say that she got bobbed. We recognize her enough that she's all of a sudden not there anymore. And it's like, hey, what happened to that woman Mark was seeing? Yeah, she is so decreed a bob. But uh, we we go back and uh, to the admit desk. We hear that uh, Grace, the little baby from before, is breathing on her own, uh, breathing spontaneously, I should say. Um, but they're waiting on CTs for for further results. Then we go uh, back to not cop Al. Is that is that <laughs> how we should refer to him now, Mr. Boulet? For this episode, sure, <laughs> Mr. Boulenton. Um <laughs> no, 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 not Mr. Boulenton. Uh Well, Carrie's examining uh, Al for his flu and asks if Carrie doesn't know that he's Day's genius husband. Uh, yeah, almost ex-husband, soon to be ex-husband. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, we're separated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been sick with, quote, the 25-day flu instead of the 24-hour flu, end quote. Uh, he's been having fevers. What? I was going to make a really bad joke, but go ahead. He's been having uh, fevers, night sweats, shortness of breath, and then going to get some labs. We'll figure out what's going on with him in a little bit. I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, um, it's nothing. And then we go back to Cop Al, Lydia's Al. Comes in with a beat up face and a perpetrator and the perpetrator who did it makes some joke about how the guy should know better than to beat up a soon to be married man. <laughs> and Lydia takes takes her hubby and is like, let's some let's pour some cold peroxide on those cow- cuts, which is ow. Yeah, no. Ow, 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 ow. Like I know peroxide doesn't burn like alcohol does, but still, the idea of cold peroxide on open wounds just sounds nope. So I just love their relationship, and I'm so happy they're getting married. Yay. And I love that they're married in real life. Yay. Because um, they're still boomers. <laughs> there it is. Because they'll, they'll be boomers. But then we have Jeannie checking in on Loretta, and she sees Al in the bed next to her. And she just kind of creeps on his chart as he's sleeping. And he wakes up and tells her what's been going on, that he hasn't been feeling good, and still no answer to his labs or anything. And she's starting to get worried because she's a medical person and knows what this might be. A medical person. A medical person. She I mean, that's technically all she is. At the, well, profession. I guess she is a physical therapist, so. F- uh, physician assistant. She will eventually become a physician assistant, but I don't. I don't okay. think she is. I don't think she has graduated yet. So. After we got schooled on that interview, I'm always going to be make sure to say physician assistant. That's true. Yes. Not physician's assistant. Oh, that was so embarrassing. Stay, stay um, tuned for our upcoming but, conversation with Gloria Rubin. Yeah, since that hasn't come out coming. yet, or been announced yet. It's been, I mean, they know at this point. It was. Ah, uh, yeah, fair. But yeah, so hmm, Jeannie's curious, so she calls up to the lab for a rush on Al's tests. Also, isn't that some um, HIPAA doesn't exist yet violation? Her creeping on his charts if she's not his caregiver. I think it's complicated. There's several layers here that complicate it. The fact that they're still legally married. Uh The fact, you know, that they don't know that it's an STD Mm. or anything like that. Well, neither do we. Exactly. It's definitely a gray area for sure. Yeah. But in the days of HIPAA now, you can absolutely get fired for, like, even just searching up a patient's records uh, that aren't 
yours or, or aren't your business to be looking in all that stuff is like tracked and cataloged and stuff so like anything anything you're poking your nose into that's not your business can absolutely cost you your job at a minimum good and on that lovely note speaking of people losing their job carol is uh <laughs> talking with uh the investigator about shep carol hathaway yes oh, sorry to keep you waiting i'm david haskell from iad that's investigations and audit division yes i know Sorry to have kept you waiting. You said that. Must have really meant it then. So, you saw An stumble. Who? An Nguyen, Vietnamese boy. You saw him stumble and hit his head on a coffee table. That's right. Just lost his balance. Must have. Which would make sense after Mr. Shepard gave him a, what did he call it, uh, a light shove. Is that how you describe it? Light shove? Well, the kid wasn't falling very fast, so... Yeah, it was probably pretty light. Now, uh, Mr. Brown says you helped him unstrap a board. Yes, he was nervous and frustrated, so I helped him do it. Then you both took the board back into the kitchen. No, Riley took it. That's right. He says he was headed to the kitchen with the board, and that's when he saw Mr. Shepard slam, is the word he used. Slam on Nguyen across the room. So you must have gone back into the kitchen and pretty much the same time. No, Riley moved in first. He carried the board ahead of me. Yeah, but if you both saw the incident, which obviously you did since you think it was a light shove and Mr. Brown thinks it was a slam, then both of you had to be there the whole time. Yes, that's right. I was there the whole time. Carol. Ugh. So I have several things about this. First first of all, let me get this out of yeah. the way. The guy, our internal investigation guy, uh, David Haskell here, he's played by one of my favorite Oh Hey, It's That Guy actors, a guy named Reg E. Cathy, or Reggie Cathy. I've heard it credited kind of both ways. He has appeared in a lot of different stuff. Uh, Fantastic Four, The Mask, uh, The Wire is definitely one of the shows that I know him from most kind of in the forefront of my mind. Uh, he was also in House of Cards. He played. He looks looks noticeably different and noticeably older in House of Cards. Though. So if you watched that show before everybody knew Kevin Spacey was a monster, uh, he played uh, Freddy, the uh, barbecue guy, barbecue ribs uh, cook uh, in DC in the early seasons of House of Cards. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Reggie passed away in 2018 from lung cancer. Um, but he was just a really good kind of, oh, hey, it's that guy actor. And had he has just this really interesting voice and really interesting look about him. And he's just always one of my favorite people to see pop up in things. And I was especially excited to see him pop up here. So always nice to see him. Uh, second of all, what does you all read on this? Because I read it as both kind of Carol still feeling a sense of loyalty towards Shep and being pulled in his direction of things. I also was reading here that this internal investigations guy was leading her in that direction. Like the internal investigation people want it to go away just as much as Shep does. And so he was like pushing her in the direction of, yeah, you saw it was a light shove. It's nothing. We're done here. Like, is that what you read too? No, I read it as he was trying to give her an out. Because he could tell she was full of shit. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like you said, they kind of want it to go away. So if, hey, you know, I asked her a couple times and confirmed. And if she says this is what happened, then she says this is what happened. Yeah. 
So I don't think he was necessarily trying to lead her that way, but just more like he could tell she was full of shit and he gave her a couple opportunities to get a clear conscience. Sure. I'm very mad about how how much she covers for Shep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lauren said everything I was going to say. <gasps> Great minds. Um, just a random note. He's drinking decaf. He comes in and grabs the pot with the orange lid. Um, also, what Fantastic Four movie was he in? Uh, the really, 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 really bad one. The one I haven't seen yet? Yeah, the 2015 one. Yeah. Now on Disney Plus for some fucking god unknown reason. Because they own everything? Is, is that the um, one with Captain yeah, America in that it? One. No, those are the only mildly bad okay. ones. Those are the funny bad ones. Wait, there's a Fantastic Four with Captain America in it? Yeah, the 2004... 2003? Oh, oh, you mean Chris, yeah, Evans, Chris Evans playing yeah. uh, the Torch. Sorry, yeah. I thought you meant like the character Captain America no. was in the movie, and I was confused. Yeah, no, those were f- fine. Yeah, they're perfectly they're perfectly good TNT background noise mediocre movies. Yeah. No, but the one in 2015 was Fan Four Stick. <laughs> Fan Four Stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how. That's how. That's it was. You're says. right. It was. Uh... It it was. It, I, I, I regret spending an hour and a half of my life watching that movie, trying to find something good about it, and there, no, no. Good to know. I so I Kmar is attractive. It. That's about all you can say about that movie. So I don't need to see it. Hmm? I don't need to see it. No. Okay, let's move on. Michael B. Jordan is also attractive. Yes, he's wonderful. So then we have Doug talking to Mark about his fight with Karen. And Mark says, your dad stealing her money is not your fault. And just kind of makes a joke about how complicated Doug's life is and how he wants no part of it. And then Doug goes on to say that he spent 15000 of the 25000 that his dad gave him on the Bowman kids um, chemotherapy, not realizing it was Karen's money. So he's like, oh shit, I only have 10000 left. Like, I can't give her the money back. I don't have all of it. Can you put a little on my student loans? Yeah, just just in here. I I thought it was a maybe I'm reading too much into this, but uh, I did I thought it was a funny little wink and a nod thing for Green to be like, this is too complicated. I don't understand what's going on when he's the one who's directing the episode. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I I took it as a funny little like line from him. I think you might be, but that's a really neat take. I like it. Then after that, we go over to Carrie. She's checking in on little baby Grace. Susan barges in with the CT results, and Susan putting on her best Doug Ross impression. <laughs> uh, says there are clear signs of shaken baby syndrome, and this kid has clearly very much been abused. And Susan is screaming, just channeling that inner George Clooney rage towards Carrie, and... And like we gotta do something, we gotta do, we, you know, we gotta get this kid out. And Carrie's like, "Bro, we called CFS. <laughs> Bro, we told the police. Bro, what the fuck? What do you want me like, to do? All we can do is treat this kid. Yeah, legally we can't personally remove the kid. But yeah, this is where we differ in our agreement on Carrie for this episode. Because yeah, like Carrie's just like, no, you know, we gotta do it this way. All we can do is take care of the child and like." She's really looking out for Susan. She knows, I think she knows more than Mark knows that Susan's a fucking mess right now Mm -hmm. and is trying to spare her from some of the more uncomfortable parts of her job while she gets life together. Yeah, she's, at least here for sure, I think she's definitely trying to help. She's trying to empathize with her here. And uh, it's Susan who's being resistant and difficult and which leads us directly into the next uh, little I guess therapy session for lack of a better word where she's 
talking to the mystery therapist again in another different outfit, which I think is going to play into my overall thoughts on these scenes when we get to the end. So the very first one we saw when she was talking about uh, little Susie's birth, she's wearing those 90s overalls. When We we didn't mention it uh, in the last clip, but the second time she's talking about uh, or she's talking about their relationship with their parents when they were growing up she's wearing kind of a like for lack of a better word it's like moody teenager outfit she's wearing like sweatpants mm-hmm. and a zip up hoodie and she actually at the beginning of the scene has the hoodie the hood up and then is kind of fidgeting with it as she's talking and she takes it down and now here when we've got this third one she's wearing kind of like sort of like a business casual look I think you would call it like it's a dressier kind of striped shirt she's laying down on the couch she's saying talking about the interaction she just had with Carrie she's saying you know that got to hand it to that Carrie Weaver you know just when you think she's completely clueless she hangs in there which is really kind of shitty to say because it's like Carrie has been many things in her time in the ER you know she's been frustrating she's been difficult but I don't think anybody would have ever felt justified in calling her clueless she's always been very capable emotionally clueless maybe emotionally clueless but anyway and this this outfit does get repeated at the end of the episode which may sort of again cause my my theory to fall apart a little bit but i'll get into the heavy parts of that towards the end so we we go straight out of this little therapy session back to carter and tc she's uh sitting in her wheelchair outside of the the room and she's playing with her basketball she's bouncing it up against the wall and uh carter stops by as has to break the news to her that she can't play in her tournament. She's, you know, obviously very upset about that. Uh, Carter makes promises that he's going to come visit her in, in the Peds unit when he can. Uh, as soon as he said that, I was like, mm, is this a promise you're going to keep Carter? Like, eh. and I, I think he does because I looked and TC does appear in one more episode after this. So we're, we're going to get at least some, some more follow up than just this episode from TC. So, Hopefully Carter sticks to that promise. I don't remember what happens with this. But yeah, I think that's about all we get from TC for this episode. Yeah, I think this is kind of where it wraps. Yeah. I know there's more of it in the next episode for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's one more ep- or one more appearance from her. I couldn't remember if it was this very next one or if it was the premiere of season 3, but I guess it'll be the next one when we wrap up season 2. Yeah, one of the few things I remember vividly is uh Carter's storyline through the next episode and involves her. Okay. Cool. Uh, But for now, okay, so this next this next audio is, it is three minutes long and I do apologize (laughs) for that but we've been talking about these weird therapy segments and while I may not think that they're the best thing in the world, I do think Sherry Stringfield does a very good job with them so I wanted to get one of them and they are a little bit longer. I got this one specifically because Mark and Susan are before Mark and Susan are sitting at the at the lakefront having lunch and it transitions very nicely into it. So let's let's give this a listen and please stick with us. Thought I'd never get out of there. Glad you didn't wait. Ah, tuna on whole wheat with lettuce and tomato. You want it? I'm not really hungry. Right after I finish my cheesesteak. I know I've said this before, but you have to get Carrie Weaver off my back. What now? Six-month-old baby girl came in, cyanotic. Carrie thinks I can't handle the intubation. But you did, right? No, she took over. Yes, it was a baby. Yes, it was hard. But I've done this a hundred times. How's everything else? You mean therapy? That is what you mean, right? Well, do I feel terrific? Not really. Um, Am I marginally better? Not really. Am I happy I'm spending my money on therapy and not, say, Jimboree or a stroller? Not really. 
So everything's going okay. <laughs> Wanna walk back? You didn't page me. I wish there was something I could do, something I could say. So do I. <laughs> It'd be so much easier if this bad news were happening to some patient. Mm. I shouldn't be drinking this. I'll never get to sleep. Never sleep anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, we actually had a class in medical school, uh, sort of how to deliver the bad news. <laughs> we even had to make uh, videotapes and, and perform it. I'm very sorry, sir, but your wife was hit by a Mack truck, and we did everything possible, but she died. <laughs> then some actor playing the husband would... <laughs> would go to con in, into convulsions on the floor and start crying out in agony. That's not usually how they react. They shake, then they start to cry. Yeah, I remember the first time I had to do it. It was this elderly man, and his wife had just died. No big accident, just old age. And he looked at me for about a minute, and then walked away. Yeah, I was the one left shaking. Practice makes perfect, though. Now I can deliver that speech in a heartbeat. And it's not that I don't feel badly, because I do, but I get the words out and I move on. The healers are always taught to move on. And for the life of me, I can't, I can't seem to do that now. This hurt is so strong and so present, it makes me feel her. And still be able to feel her. I don't want to move on from that. Damn. Such good shit. She nails it. Oh, that last part just gets me every time. But yeah, so with these therapy sessions, I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm probably the middleman on this. I think they're fine. I think they're wonderfully performed. I think they kind of impact the flow of the episode in a negative way, but all in all, I'm neutral on them because they're so well done. Mm -hmm. And I noticed during this one specifically, at one point she's like fidgeting and walking around and she goes and she picks up a cigarette and her lighter and then she just sets them back down and keeps talking. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not even like she thinks about it. It's not even like it's a second thought, like, oh, maybe I don't want this. It's just like they choreographed it and she just put it back down when it's like, no, if you're in the middle of a therapy session and you want to stress smoke, you want to stress smoke. Unless her therapist doesn't allow smoking in the office, but I think we've seen her smoking in another one. That's my minutia for that. No, I think, I think that's very, I think that's very appropriate. Yeah. Whereas I'm in the camp of, I, this is the only one that I like because it flows nicely. The rest of them are incredibly jarring, take you really out of the episode. And yes, they're acted, they're acted well, but I think they're, they're used too often in this episode for sure and i think there would there might have been better ways to convey the same sort of tone almost like a bottle episode yeah but like within a normal episode and only cutting away to it every like 10 minutes like every five to ten minutes and it's really it's really weird 
I think it would help if they had set up the context, because I think part of why it's so jarring is because we don't have an exact situation of where she is or what she's doing. Yeah. Like, if it started with her walking into the therapist's office, like, at the beginning of the episode, and then we had the, the um, through line there and back, it yeah, could work. Yeah, probably. But... So, now's as good a time as any to talk about this, be- Do because... It. Of where we're where we're at in this whole thing, and we're talking about our feelings about it. Because I I'll say preface this by saying like I absolutely love these scenes. I love this episode. I think I, I texted you both after I watched it earlier this week that like I think this is a late contender for my one of my favorite episodes of the season, and a big part of that is how I feel about these scenes here. And hmm. at first, it was just sort of which I think we can all agree on that that the performance of the scenes is done very well whether or not you feel like it works in the overall narrative structure of the episode you can have that whole debate but i think we can all agree that she does a really good job with that and it it gives a lot of depth and insight into where susan's head is at right now the theory that i have sort of developed about this we sort of touched on this a little bit at the beginning with the whole is it a therapy session or is she in a confessional like that sort of type of thing and again could be completely reaching here but i think there's a little bit of symbolism with the changing outfits i think and and also too with the way she talks to mark in the preceding scene from this i don't think susan is actually in therapy or i don't think that she's actually going to therapy i think that she knows she needs to go to therapy and i think that everyone's telling her she should go to therapy and in her head she know i i think basically i think she is imagining what therapy would be like and is having hmm. these conversations with herself. And that's why we never see the therapist. We never see her actually doing anything of consequence. She's just sitting there. Um, she never even smokes in the one scene. Like, she interacts with her environment around her, but she never actually, like, does anything of consequence. Um, she drinks some coffee. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not a perfect theory. Because the, the, other, th- the other element of this is the clothing. You know, when she's talking about the start of everything she's in the kind of very childlike overalls when she's talking about her adolescence and their relationship with their parents she's dressed as a moody teenager when she starts talking about her professional struggles she's dressed as a professional woman like there's definitely a through line there with the clothing and about here is where it starts to drift a little bit because we do start to repeat some outfits and i'm gonna chalk that up so that my theory holds up i'm gonna chalk that up to editing but I definitely feel like there is an intentional, like there was an intentional decision not to show the therapist and whether that's because they felt like it didn't need it or whether they're trying to convey something deeper here that she isn't actually talking to a therapist rather than just expressing her own feelings inside of her own thoughts and her own conscience. I don't know. Like to me, it, it just like it works on a couple of different levels. And that's why I think I like this episode so much. I think I might want to rewatch it with that frame and see how I feel about it with that. But yeah, no, it's like Lost. They're just in purgatory all the time. <laughs> I've never actually seen Lost, but that's what I hear all the yeah. time. But yeah, that's my theory. So whether you think we're in the dream realm or we're in a therapist's office, we move out of there <laughs> into uh, back into the ER where uh, we see Riley approach Carol. Uh, they He informs Carol that they dropped the investigation, so... Clearly, she did a good job covering Shep's ass. Uh, He's none too happy with this. He's very pissed that she sided with Shep. And he just kind of -of matter-of-factly tells her, like, I don't think you're doing Shep any favors. He doesn't belong out there. He's dangerous, which is all very true and very valid. And it's stuff that 
Carol needs to hear and I think will inform kind of our next interaction with Shep and Carol. But uh, this is also the last we see of Riley. Um, and this is another one kind of bo- a borderline Bob because yes, this is kind of a, a natural end for his story, but mm. there's also not really a reason given for why he never appears again. This is just, he just sort of walks out the door and then is never seen again. So I think he, he much like Iris would kind of be on that bubble of what we could consider a Bob. Yeah. He would have been nice to kind of see continue develop. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really bummed that we don't actually get more of right. I would, I would like to see, I think he would have made a fine addition to our kind of regular paramedic rotation, you know, with Lynn and Emily. I think he would have been a nice addition to that, but I will say this, and this is terrible and makes no sense to anybody but me, but he kind of gave me um, Todd from Breaking Bad A vibes. little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. He got the, the kind of baby okay, face, gl- the, the just, but not, like. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not alone. Thank you. But with 99% less sociopath vibes. Yeah, Very he's true. like um, 90s Todd. Like, he's he's the prototype. Proto-Todd? Proto-Todd. <laughs> God damn it, Warren. You're welcome. So yeah, that's a bummer that no more Riley. That would have been nice to see his character continue to develop in a Shepless world. But then we have Mark checking in on Loretta, and she just looks so rough. She's got like a gastric tube in her nose, I think feeding tube. Um, and he mentions that you know, oh, the you know the kids are gonna stay with me tonight, which just shows how much their friendship has grown. That she's trusting Mark with her children. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then um, Al and Lydia had been kind of babysitting the kids while they were running around the ER being idiots. And it's just, it's a very sweet moment for all of them. Like, just, we don't know what the future holds, but Loretta's at least got Mark looking out for her in this moment. And like, yeah, you're just gonna, just gonna go to the doctor's house and sleep over, kids. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, And then after that, we get a, okay, hi, mom. Hi, Doug's mom. <laughs> random appearance second appearance i think yeah yeah second or third it's her last one too so don't get used bye to mom. it bye mom <laughs> hi mom bye mom let's listen to their chat are you sure you can't stay for dinner um, look thank you but i can't eat dinner at 5 30 in the afternoon oh pathetic isn't it oh howard comes back from the office grabs dinner rushes back to the office I thought tax season was over. What happened to April 15th? Does the word extension mean anything to you? As a matter of fact, I think I have one of those. All right, listen, Mom. So how much do you need? Now, you can't possibly know that. I haven't said anything about money. Well, you're not here for dinner, are you? No. And you don't drop by a lot to play bridge. I don't play bridge. My point exactly. Doug, there are three reasons kids come back home. One announce they're getting married <laughs> two they're depressed and they need a place to sleep for three years <laughs> and three they need money <laughs> my money's on the money so were you always so smart right up until the day i married your father doug all those years you were growing up not knowing about your dad. I couldn't help you then. Nothing would make me happier than to help you now. Don't you even want to know what I'm going to use the money for? You really want to tell me? <laughs> Bring the carrots over here. Okay. 
Eat your vegetables, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we got more Doug's mom. She's sweet. Yeah, I like yeah. the two of them together. I almost said oh, she's she's the best mom friend. And I was like, no oh, wait, she's she's a mom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was also going to be very offended because clearly I'm the best mom friend. That's true. Now you just radiate big mom friend energy, but you're not yet a mom. I'm still I'm still big mom friend. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> But yeah, no, I love it. I love just the tiny interjection of Clooney chuckles. Just like, how'd you get so smart? Like, it's very good casting on their part. Like, they, both his parents, like, because he kind of looks, you could conceivably think that a younger version of Ray could look something like Clooney. And personality wise, I think she matches up well with him. Like, it's really good casting as his yeah. parents. It's a shame they, they don't really. They have very good chemistry. It's a shame they don't do more. You know, they didn't do more with the dynamic his dynamic with both of them yeah i love her three reasons why kids come home uh, it's, it's kind of true no lies detected nope not at all <laughs> so we go from there to the radiology room where Jeannie is looking over some uh, x-rays she's uh clearly a little bit preoccupied with what's going on with al and so she's kind of absent-mindedly talking about it as carrie comes into the room and carrie just kind of stops her and is like we need to talk and turns out that al uh has i can't remember did they say he has full-on aids or is he just HIV they say positive? aids and that's what they say aids and that's why i put hiv in question okay. marks yeah because she says that you know he's got uh all the telltale signs that you know he he does have aids and that it's likely that he has been hiv positive for several years so she suggests that genie get tested if she never has been to which genie kind of replies you know how many married people do you know get tested and just the so like so good it's so good like they're both doing i mean gloria rubin especially is acting her ass off in this episode or in this scene here like she is the the and she only has like one or two really significant lines but like the the fear and the betrayal and the the just pain that is written all over her face is so good like she is just really really doing the work in this episode or in this scene and it's just it's so so good and 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 credit to laura innes too like i mean they work really well together it's a pairing that i think we would see more often as we get deeper into the seasons here and they just work really well off of each other yeah i just need to say i'm really glad in this episode and the last one that we've gotten away from the petty carol and versus genie stuff yes give less of that i don't care about that at all like this as as much of a bummer as this whole storyline is for genie it is where she really finds her footing as a character agreed and on that lovely note doug uh heads over to karen's place she's in a polo shirt and cut off shorts it's a very different look i'm here for it yeah no it's yeah i'm here for it as well and she lost the hotel the hotel suite because of losing the company money and Doug tries to give her the money back. He tries to give her the two, the $25,000 because he thinks that's all Ray took from her. Because that's all Ray gave him. Yeah. Uh, Ray stole over two hundred fifty grand. Ugh. So she's surprisingly chill for someone who has lost that much money. I, th- I think she's just keeping it real bottled up, but she just laughs her ass off. And it's like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it's like, oh, you sweet summer child. Oh. Got, gotta love you for that one. Yeah. The the L word being dropped in there. Much too, which causes Doug to go, oh. <laughs> Don't 
do well with that word. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So just a very sweet little thing for the two of them. But when she laughed, when she starts laughing, when he goes to give it back and, and he, I love how he's like, oh, this is just a drop in the bucket. I'm keeping it. Yeah. <laughs> like you go Clooney. But yeah, then we have Shep is back in the ER and he sneaks back, grabs Carol from behind. Like she's sitting at the desk and he wraps his hands around her face to hide, like to cover her eyes and smooches her. And he's celebrating that the investigation has been dropped. And he's like, we're home free. Whatever you said, it made all the difference. Let's go out. Let's go to a club. Let's go do something. Let's go to dinner. And she's like, no, I've got a lot of paperwork. And she's clearly very uncomfortable with him at this point and very uncomfortable with herself and what she's done. She's like, nope, nope, I can't go out. Bye. Please leave. (laughs) Having a little bit second thoughts there, Carol. Uh, Second, third, fifth. 80 millionth. Um... (laughs) What? I'm just remembering this part, sorry. Yeah, and then Jeannie goes to talk to Al, or not. Yeah. It, just, it, it switches right into another, It like, it just... They gotta build that super, suspense. Like, this is probably the worst offender of the pacing issues I, of the episode. I think that's because they decided late that they wanted to make that the crux of the season finale, in addition yeah, to Carter's but, thing. But yes, I, it but is then jarring. Why take, then why have this... Why even have this? I will say it was so frustrating to us because like Lizzie and I were very good about being pause partners for taking these notes. And so we were like, okay, do we need to pause it here? Do we need the timestamp? Are they about to have an interaction? So we like preemptively put the timestamp in. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, they're about to talk. And then it goes to Susan. And we're like, all right, well, that's not <laughs> yeah, happening. Two seconds later. There's, there is play. no, <laughs> no conversation there. Yeah. It's... So we got played. We played ourselves. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Yeah, this is the one. This is this one is a little jarring, but we will definitely come back to Al and Jeannie. But it won't be till next episode. But we do we do finish out the episode with one last Susan therapy session. She's just talking, kind of summing up all of her thoughts throughout the episode, talking about how great little Susie was. Kind of again interwoven within this, we see her uh, going back to the church from the very beginning of the episode, where she leaves the little stuffed dog that she bought for little Susie in the church from earlier for somebody else to find. And she closes out the episode with the line, I loved my storybook for the first time in a long time. I didn't feel alone, which is just a very melancholy line to end us on. But I think it really puts a stamp and like puts a, a period on this whole episode that I really enjoyed. I thought this episode was fine. I thought it was definitely one of the better that we've had this season. But yeah, I'd give it a B plus. Yeah, I'm, I'd say a solid B. Like the it's it's really it's just really the pacing. It really that throws me off in this one. It's really the pacing. It's it's those Susan it's those Susan interludes. They could have found a way to split them better. I think. Yeah, if they could have if there could have been a nice a better flow to the episode, it would have been uh what like what like Daniel's opinion. Yeah. Like one of the better episodes of the season. But she knocks it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that it's that's it's, that's what I like about it, that it's it's such a showcase for not just Susan, but Sherry Stringfield. Like Sherry Stringfield yeah. is so prominently featured here. It is in my top five. I would hesitate until I can kind of appreciate the season as a whole to declare it like my favorite or mm-hmm. second favorite or whatever, but I would I feel I feel comfortable saying top five. And I would encourage I would encourage you both to go back and give it another look with that thought in mind of could this possibly be something you know, because and I, I just feel like with the first time of having like a cast member direct, they're gonna do something weird, and mm-hmm. I feel like they're gonna play with that sort of 
let's just well, throw something at the wall and see what sticks. And I mean, hell, look how divisive the Tarantino episode was between the three of us. That wasn't a cast member, but it still wasn't like oh, true, one yeah. of the TV yeah. directors. Like, yeah. Anytime like, you get somebody who's not one of the usual, you know, your Mimi Letters or, you know, any of the yeah. usual suspects that are directing, you're always bound to get something a little bit strange. And I think it was just the combination of the performance that Sherry Stringfield puts on and just the the different feel to it is what I think I liked about it. Like it felt right. different to a lot of the other ones we've seen this season. So it, I, for I, that, I appreciate I, it. I think it's a top 10 for me and B, I think it warms us up nicely for the season finale next week, which holy shit. Can you guys believe we're almost done with season two? Next week is our last episode for season two. Aside from the wrap up finish line is in sight. Jesus Christ. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening. The show is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, season two coming soon. A free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and we release those once a month. Uh, also, once our stretch goals are met, you can get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment as well as monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Daniel, I just realized something about your username. What's that? Your name is Dan I L. Yeah. So you did Dan U. So okay, L. so it, it's taking you that long to realize. <laughs> Fuck off. There's a there's a very not that not at all that funny backstory to that, but basically, uh, Jake and I worked together for many years, and uh, it was at a, a gym that catered to older folks. And mm-hmm. so there was this one very sweet older lady who would come in early in the mornings and she was always like this just ray of sunshine. Like she was this older black lady and um, she would always come in and, and say good morning to Jake and I as we were sitting there at the desk drinking coffee, talking bullshit, basically the, the precursor to the popular court. And she would always come in and she had this very old school way of talking and like just the way she pronounced certain words and jake obviously is you can't really do much with that name it's a one syllable name so she would always just say good morning jake and with me it was always daniel she would Ah. always extend my name out to daniel and i was just like we always thought that was the funniest thing so when it came time to pick usernames for stuff that was just in my head and that's how Well, now i feel real fucking stupid um (laughs) anyway so aside from that, you can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, ranting and raving about the upcoming World of Warcraft patch. Get at me! Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's G-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play series of Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, new episodes that are out every Friday, and we, I'm also doing a co-op series of all the Halo games with Jake, that, with new episodes on Wednesdays. Uh, you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time for the season two finale, and have a great week.